Well, Faithbridge, it is, uh, it's so great to see you. It's so great to be back with you. I always love the opportunity to, to join together and worship with you and study the Word of God. I want to start just by telling you that words are very important to me. I value words a lot. So let me just give you an example. Uh, my least favorite word in the English language is the word moist. I cannot stand the word moist. And the reason for that is because uh, cakes can be moist, but so can a guy's locker room. And that just really freaks me out. So I do not like the word moist. That's my least favorite word in the English language. My favorite word in the English language is the word defenestrate. I just like knowing things that other people don't. So if you don't know what it means to defenestrate someone, defenestrate is the act of throwing someone out the window. So if you want to impress some friends today, use the word defenestrate in a sentence, okay? So that's my favorite word in the English language. And then for me, the most meaningful word in the English language is the word abide. And that's actually the title of this series. I love the word abide because it's actually the English translation of the Greek word Mino, which appears 11 different times in my favorite passage. It appears 10 times in 11 verses, my favorite passage in the entire Bible. I actually have the, the verse that includes the word abide. It's right here on my wall in my office. I love this word because packed into these five letters is the key to life. So if you're watching this morning and you're wondering what you're supposed to be doing with your life, if you want to know what the key to life is, boiled down into one word, it is the one word, abide. This passage, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, it has been my favorite passage in the entire Bible for about 20 years. And I've read my Bible most days, not every day, but most days over the last 20 years. And no other passage has been able to dislodge my love for this passage. Because when I heard this passage taught when I was back in college, I felt like I was being handed a key to life. And so I view this passage in, in the way that I think about it is this. If I were to just wake up and practice what I'm going to teach you over the next two weeks, if I were to just practice it and commit myself wholeheartedly to it every single day, every day of my life would be packed full of joy and purpose. Like there would be no throwaway days. It's that monumental of a passage. We find this passage right at the end of Jesus's life, like the night that he is going to be betrayed by Judas and arrested, that's when Jesus says these words. So just think, if you were, if you found out that you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do today? You would probably gather the people closest to you and you would choose your words very wisely. That's what Jesus does here. In this passage, I assure you, it is the key to the maximized life, a life where God is most glorified and you are most satisfied. So if you have a Bible, turn with me this morning to my favorite passage in the entire Bible, John chapter 15, as we begin this series that we are calling Abide, okay? And what I want to do is I want to read you the first five verses. Today, we're really going to zero in just on verses four and five, and we are going to unpack together this one word, 
abide. Okay, so listen to what Jesus says. He'll kind of set the scene. He's using vineyard imagery. And here's what he says, starting in verse one. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So let's just get on the same page. Jesus is using very familiar imagery here, the, the imagery of a vineyard, and he identifies God the Father as the vine dresser. He identifies himself as the vine, and he is now going to tell us who we are. Okay, so here's what I need you to understand. The life that you want most, the maximized life that we're talking about here, it requires daily clarity on your identity, your priority, and your activity. We need to be clear on these three things if we want to live the maximized life, the life that we truly want, your identity, your priority, and your activity. Let's start by talking about your identity because if many of us don't realize it, but we're confused on what our identity actually is because we live in a culture that wants to tell us that we are human doings instead of human beings. And it's easy for us to believe that our identity is rooted in what we do. So if you and me, if we were to go to coffee together and we were to talk and I were to just say, hey, who are you? Tell me who you are. Your tendency might be to start telling me what you do, but that's not who you are. That is what you do. Our identity is determined by God. And Jesus tells us what our identity is in verse 5. Look back at what he says. He says this in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So just picture Jesus has 11 of his 12 closest friends because Judas has already left to go betray him. And it's like Jesus is like, all eyes on me. Don't miss this. What I'm about to tell you is monumental. Hello, McFly. Let's just be clear. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Me vine, you branches. Okay, so I want you to just think about Vineyard imagery. What is the vine? Jesus is identifying himself as the vine. What is the vine? The vine is the life source for the branches. Okay, it is the conduit for all of the life and nutrients. A branch that is separated from a vine just simply becomes a stick. And so Jesus is informing us of our identity. Do you know what your identity is? You're a branch. I'm a branch. That's what we are. And so don't miss what I'm telling you here. This is extremely important. What it means to be a branch is this. You are not made to give life. You are made to receive life and channel it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when Jesus says, I'm the vine, he's saying, I'm the one who gives life. I am the giver of life. So if we're branches, 
then we aren't made to give life, we're made to receive life from the vine, and then we are meant to channel life. So that's our identity. We are branches. And that has massive implications. It means that self-reliance has no place in God's vineyard. Pride has no place in God's vineyard because everything that you have in your life has been given to you by God. And it is meant to be used by God for His glory. So everything good that you have in your life, look at the root. You're not at the root of all the goodness in your life. You're a branch. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the reason that you have anything that you have. So if that's our identity, if we are branches, a good question for us to ask is, are we living like we're branches or are we out of alignment? Many of us are acting like wannabe vines and we are living like we can give life when we truly can't. I mean, how many of us try and give life to other people? We believe that we are the life source for other people, that people need our input. They need our wisdom. Our kids need us to control all of their future to ensure that they truly succeed in this world. We feel like we're the vines for other people, but we don't just try to give other people life. We try and give life to ourselves. Like, here's a good diagnostic test. Just evaluate your life based on the five C's. Here are the five C's. Control, compromise, conformity, comparison, and comfort. Okay, how are you doing with these five things? Because they will expose whether you're living more like a branch or like a vine. So, control. Some of us need to have every aspect of our lives under control. And we believe that life is found in our achievements. So if I can just have that job title, if I can just make that salary, if I can just live in that neighborhood, if I can just have these high-capacity, high-performing kids on the kindergarten soccer field, like if I can just achieve, then I will have made it, and that's where my joy is found. Do you see what you're trying to do? You're trying to give yourself life, your your life and your joy is dependent upon you in your performance. What about compromise? Some of us are making compromising decisions because we're trying to give ourselves life by looking to pleasure. Some of us are, are just our maturation. It's been stunted and we're living like we're still in college or even high school, even though we're well into our 40s. And so we are going out and we're doing different things. We're, we're trying to give ourselves life, life through pleasure. What about conformity? Like we're becoming who other people need us to be so that we can have the approval of everyone. We're trying to give ourselves life by conforming. Or, or what about comparison? We follow people on social media that we don't know. We, we follow these different bloggers or different influencers and we look at their lives and we compare their lives to our lives or we compare our kids to their kids or our spouses to their spouses. And we are trying to determine how we stack up against them. 
I mean, we compare with our friends, and so we talk about what each other's kids are doing, and even by doing that, it makes us feel better about ourselves. We're trying to give ourselves life by, by comparing ourselves to others. Or then there's just comfort. We believe that life is found in, in insulating our lives with everything that makes us comfortable. Say, how are you doing on the five C's? Because you know what they'll do? They'll just expose whether you're acting like a branch or like a vine. The reality is Jesus is the true vine. He is the one who is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the one who's truly in control. Are you trusting him for that? You don't have to become who other people need you to be because God has already looked at you and approved of you and he delights in you. He's the one who gives you value. He's the one who gives you worth because he is a life giver. So if you want to just step into the point and purpose of your life, then the best thing you can do every single morning is just wake up and say this. You know what? There is only one vine and I'm not him. There is only one vine, and I am not him. See, that's your identity. Your identity is that you're a branch. We all need to have daily clarity on who we are. That's your identity. Number two, we need to talk about your priority. So look back at the text. What does Jesus say? Verses four and five, he tells us His priority and his priority should become our priority. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We see Jesus talked about bearing fruit multiple times in this passage. That's actually God's priority for your life. His priority is that you would bear fruit in your life. So if that's his priority, that should become our priority. Now, a good question to ask if that should be your priority, then the question becomes, well, what does it mean to be fruitful? What is Fruit. I don't want to be ambiguous about fruit at all. So if you were to open up the scriptures and you were to look at different passages that talk about spiritual fruit, you would find that fruit means at least five different things. Spiritual fruit is number one, Christ-like character. So we find that in Galatians chapter five, when Jesus talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, in self-control. Second, it's it's good works. It's it's doing the works that God has for you to do. It's it's helping other people. It's good works. Number three, it's conversion. So when you share the gospel with people and people place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is considered fruit. Number four, it's worship. It's it's using your lips to magnify God. That's considered fruit. And then Number five, generosity. When you give of your money, that is considered fruit. Now, what I want you to see when you think about these five different things, Christ-like character, good works, conversion, worship, generosity, fruit always benefits other people. Fruit never is just for you in your enjoyment. Fruit always benefits other people. Here's what fruit does. Fruit allows others to taste Jesus from being in relationship with you. Isn't that awesome? 
That's what fruit is. Fruit allows others to taste Jesus from being in relationship with you. So I need to make sure you don't miss this. This is so important. Productive and accomplished is not the same thing as faithful and fruitful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Productive and accomplished is not the same thing as being faithful and fruitful. It is actually possible to be famous and fruitless at the same time. You can become the the best in your area of, you know, the best in your profession. You can be famous to the rest of the world. Everyone in the world can look to you as the ultimate expert in whatever you do for a living. It is possible for you to be famous and fruitless at the same time because being productive and being accomplished isn't the same thing as being faithful and fruitful. A good question to ask yourself of this, is the greatest beneficiary of your life's work you? If the greatest beneficiary of your life's work is you, you have missed the point and purpose of your life. You have missed the point and purpose of your life. Why? Because Jesus is seeking to live a life through you that blesses the world. So as you evaluate your life, don't confuse leaves with fruit. Though, so when you hear that the point and purpose of your life is to, to bear fruit, if that should be your priority, here's my concern. My concern is that you would hear that and be like, well, then I need to go out and bear fruit. No, that's not the answer. The response to hearing that God's priority is that you bear fruit. The response is to abide. It's not to go out and muscle up fruit. It's to abide. Because here's the reality. If you don't abide, bearing fruit is impossible. If you do abide, bearing fruit is inevitable. So we've talked about your identity. We've talked about your priority. And now number three, let's talk about your activity. Look back at the text one more time. John 15 Verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. What word do you see four times in two verses? It's the word abide. My favorite, but the most meaningful word to me in the English language, which translates the Greek word mino. That Greek word, it literally means to dwell. So it's like Jesus, when he says, abide in me and I in you, it's like he's saying, hey, let's move in together. Let's let's live every moment of every day together. Because what happens when two people live together? They get synced up. Some people begin to talk alike and act alike. And Jesus is saying, that's the type of life I want. I want us to live life Together, So realize this, his presence is actually the key to our productivity. Okay, so what does it truly mean to abide? Well, I believe it means two things. Let me just break it down for you. Number one, to abide 
it will mean complete and continuous connection. That sounds like two things. It's one. It's complete and continuous connection. See, Jesus isn't a task to complete. He is a friend, savior, and king to enjoy. He is someone to be completely and continuously connected to. So let's talk about what it means to be completely connected. I mean, just think about a branch that's just barely hanging from a vine, or it's kind of like a, a, a hose barely attached to a faucet. What happens? All of the water comes out the sides. It's, it's not an effective hose. It's the same thing with a branch that is just barely connected. What I mean when I say be completely connected to Jesus is I'm saying, hey, go all in with him. Like, let this fall be, be the time where you just say, you know what, I'm all in with Jesus. I'm not going to 2% Jesus. I'm going to be wholeheartedly committed to him. So, so start your day with him and his word instead of your phone. Commit to being at church or, or streaming church every single Sunday. Get involved in a small group of believers so that you can encourage each other and talk about Jesus and pursue Jesus together. Be completely connected to him. Several years ago, uh, my friends Matt and Sterling, we used to go out to Matt's lake house and we would, we would have two boards. So we would get in Matt's boat and we would put two tubes behind the boat and two people would be on the tubes one person would be driving, and the two people on the tubes would fight to try and get each other off the tubes. Matt always went on the offensive, and he would leapfrog over onto Sterling's tube. And I will never forget this one time. I was driving, and I was watching, and Matt had dislodged Sterling from the tube to the point where Sterling was literally just hanging onto the very back of the tube, and his body was dragging in the water at 20 miles an hour. I couldn't even see Sterling anymore. The only way that I knew that Sterling was still attached to the tube was I could see Matt doing this. He was just going, mm, mm. he was just pummeling Sterling. And I thought about that and I was like, man, what a miserable ride. What a miserable ride when Sterling's just barely hanging on to the tube. What a beating because Tubes behind a boat, they're meant to be ridden in a certain way. There's a certain way to be connected to the tube where the boat does the majority of the work. And your job is just to hang on and enjoy the ride. The same thing is true with, with Jesus. There's a type of relationship where you connect to him in the right way, where it feels like Jesus is doing more of the work in your life than you are. But you know what? When you're just barely hanging on to Jesus, when you're just barely connected to him, you know what? You have an enemy that's going to beat you down telling you, you know what? This isn't worth it. This is miserable. This is all duty. This is all discipline. If you don't do these things, you fail like a failure. This isn't worth it. And some of you are just barely connected to Jesus. Your only connection point is what you're doing right now where you, where you maybe kind of tune in and out with with Faithbridge, but there's really no connection with Jesus during the week. You know what happens with people who just barely are connected to Jesus? A lot of people at some point just kind of let go. And when they let go, they feel relief and more at peace than ever. You want to know why? Because they begin to believe the lie that life with Jesus is burdensome and wearying. 
that it is exhausting. And yet Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants you to be completely connected to him. And that's where joy is found. So would you just be all in with him this fall? Be completely connected to him, but not just completely connected to him, continuously connected to him. Because remember, the first point of abiding is to be completely and continuously connected. What I'm realizing as a dad with my kids is quality of time comes through quantity of time. You can't plan quality time with with small kids. Sometimes quality time kind of surfaces through quantity of time. And the same can be true with Jesus, that that the more you spend with him, the better. Now, let me just be clear. What I'm not talking about is like, okay, if you've been doing a quiet time for 10 minutes, up it to two hours. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about changing your understanding of Jesus's presence in your life. When Jesus says, abide to me and I in you, he's committing to being present in your life every day. So it's waking up with the, with the understanding Jesus is in your room. When you're driving to work, he is in the car with you. When you are sitting at lunch, he is sitting with you. When you're alone in bed at night, laying there, he is laying right beside you. Jesus is with you every moment of every day. When you begin to see Jesus That way, you'll stop leaving him in your bedroom. You'll stop leaving him in your home office in the mornings. Jesus is looking at you saying, why are you closing your Bible saying amen and acting like I'm not actually going with you to work? Jesus is committed to being present in your life every single day. The best thing we can do is wake up to his presence. It amazes me that babies can sleep through the Aggies winning in Kyle Field. Because it's so amazing and so loud and it's this beautiful display of greatness when the Aggies are winning in Kyle Field and yet babies can sleep right through it. And the same can be true of us with the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. He's consistently putting displays of his goodness and greatness on in our lives and yet many of us are sleeping like a baby to his presence. We want to wake up and we want to see what God's doing in our lives because he is with us. To abide is to be completely and continuously connected. And then number two, it's to be desperately dependent. Desperate dependence. Did you see what Jesus said right there at the end of verse five? He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Like you can do nothing. You can be famous and fruitless at the same time. Isn't that crazy? How would your life be different if you really took Jesus at his word? What if you really began to believe, you know what, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Imagine how your life would change if you lived every hour like you desperately needed Jesus. Imagine how different your life would be if while you're driving to lunch, you're like, Jesus, I've got five minutes in the car ride. I know you want to use me to encourage someone. Put someone on my mind. Who do you want me to encourage right now? Or, or Jesus, I need to have a tough conversation with my spouse or one of my kids. Would you give me 
access to your limitless wisdom so I can honor you and honor the person. God, I need wisdom for this friend in my life. God, I'm, I'm lonely in this hour and I'm in need of, of your presence. God, I need help holding my tongue because I, I'm out of patience with certain people in my life. And so I need you in this minute to help me Tame my tongue, God. I need courage to share my faith with this friend or, or this coworker, God. I need patience to love this person in my life that is honestly hard to love at different times. God, I need strength in this moment to forgive this person that I feel like has really hurt me. Desperate dependence. See, when you begin to live a life of desperate dependence, here's what that means. With Jesus, any moment can become a holy moment and your days will be filled with God's stories. I'll close just by saying this. You know, to abide is to be completely and continuously connected and it's to be desperately dependent and the key word in the text, it's mentioned four times, it's the word abide. But you know what one word in this passage has had new meaning for me as I've studied it? It's the word whoever. Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Whoever, whoever watching today, whoever is listening today, See, we've grown to believe that much fruit is for the few when the invitation is to all. It's the point and purpose of your life. It's the key to life. One word, abide. You know what this means? It means that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it isn't just about entrance. It's about intimacy. Like Jesus didn't just die on the cross and rise from the dead to get you into heaven. He died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you could experience life with him. The gospel isn't meant to just get you into heaven. The gospel is meant to bring heaven to you now. See, eternal life doesn't begin the day that you die. It begins the day that you believe. So if you don't know Jesus, here's your response today. It's believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus for salvation. And if you do know him, it's one word. Abide. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for just these powerful words that you shared with your friends that we now get to experience. These words before you went to the cross and died for our sins and then rose from the dead on the third day. God, I thank you that you've given us the key to life. I thank you that with you, there are no throwaway days and every day can be packed full of purpose and joy, no matter what the circumstances are. And so I pray that today would be a day that we abide in you. I pray that today would be a day that we walk in clarity in regard to our identity, that we are branches, that we'd be clear on our priority, which is to bear fruit. And may we be clear on our, on our activity, which is to abide. Lord, if anyone watching does not have a relationship with you, I pray that they would sense that you're just reaching into their lives, inviting them to come and to know you. May they believe in you and just reach out in prayer right now and say, Jesus, 
come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want a real relationship with you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen.